Welcome back, everyone, to the City Pop podcast, Out of the Main. My co-host is uh, John. He's here with me. Let me say to you, Kidichiwa. What does that mean? I don't know. We're going to find out, though, because we, ah, yeah. <laughs> we have a guest expert who's going to educate us on a topic that we've touched upon a m- yeah. number of times on the podcast, but we don't know enough about it, but we got a resident expert, and we're going to learn about City Pop today. Yeah, I know less about city pop than I do, uh, what, cosmetic surgery probably. So I, I might just sit in the background here and soak it all in because I know I have a lot to learn here. Would so. you say you know less about city pop than you do about Yacht Rock? Because that's a thimble full right there. <laughs> yes, bar- <laughs> barely, just below. All right, just well, below the surface. Hey, ding, ding. all about learning here. So, yeah. uh, All right. Well, without further ado, should we bring on our guest? Um, courtesy of an introduction via our friends at Yacht Rock Miami. Correct. Ca- Captain Juan hooked us up with none other than a DJ, Van Pogam, who is here with us to talk all about City Pop. Van, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's uh, really exciting. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. Well, yeah. we're always happy to have people on who know more about stuff than we do, which is just about... <laughs> which is easy. Just about anyone. <laughs> but this topic, just so you know, Van, is it's um, because of its adjacency to Yacht Rock, we were bound to bring it up here and there along the way with pod, uh, on this podcast, but we never really dived deep, although I love the genre and I keep trying to convince my co-host here that it's more yacht adjacent than John that you give it credit for. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's it's really yacht adjacent in my opinion. It wasn't that I didn't think it was yacht adjacent, is that I admitted to struggling to get into it because of the language barrier. And that's purely a oh. me thing. But um I spent the this past two or three days really diving into it, and I realized that I couldn't really do much more than dip below the surface. So I, I've got a few things that I listened to that I really enjoyed, but I'm looking forward to learning more here from Van. Yeah. And so before we dive into all of that, Van, tell us, give us a little bit about your background, your musical background, and why Juan, Captain Juan from Yacht Rock Miami would introduce us. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a really serendipitous uh, kind of meeting of me and me and Juan, because uh, he's um, he's really big on the yacht rock and. I think he's always liked city pop also, but, you know, just dipping his toes in, not really anything too uh, in-depth. Um, so we kind of connected. I sent him a message over Instagram because we were uh, following each other for a minute. I'm from Miami originally, so um, it's uh, kind of like a natural kind of organic uh, friendship that we've developed. Um, uh, me being kind of a, a Chicago uh, expat now, living uh, outside of the city. I'm coming back in... Um, uh, early July for uh, it's an anime convention called Supercon. So I've been DJing in Miami before I left to Chicago in 2011. I've been DJing around Miami for about 10 years or so, doing house music, um, kind of local events, uh, bars, hotels, that kind of thing. So um, and my main music kind of had always been leaning towards 80s stuff, 70s. I always had that kind of appreciation for that music. Um, so. Getting into city pop was kind of organic for me, and I've always been a Japanese pop culture nerd mm. ever since I was really young. So it wasn't a stretch for me to get into this genre. So the anime and that other stuff, you're into the anime and all of that thing. So, exactly. um, well, I was going to say, let's at least get a sort of a, 
a ground base here. So what is City Pop and how does it connect either sonically or however you want to connect it? How does it connect to Yacht Rock? Right. Uh, so City Pop, it's uh, obviously Japanese music from about 1975 to about 1985 are were, were its biggest years, I would say. I have a collection about of about 200 records now. Um, and they're all from that age, uh, from that kind of era. Uh, I would say there's a lot of stylistic kind of nuances that match what was going on in the West, especially in certain kind of soft rock and uh, yacht rock, AOR kind of albums that were coming out. Um, there's a lot of Steely Dan vibes on there, a lot of uh, kind of Doobie Brothers, Michael McDonald almost kind of feeling stuff. There's a definite production technique that's warm. Uh, you can tell it's recorded on tape. And um, mm-hmm. just stylistically, you can tell that they uh, they wanted it to f- embody the summer. Uh, they, wa- they wanted the music to feel breezy. And I yeah. think that mm-hmm. is what, uh, when I think of Yacht Rock, I think obviously being on a boat in the sun, uh, you know, with the breeze. And this music, City Pop, kind of embodies that same feeling, in my opinion. I would say the sonic textures are almost identical. John, you have a yes. better ear than I do. But like, I when totally I he- agree. hear what the sound that they were going for from a production standpoint, it's almost identical to what was coming out of the L.A. sound in the late 70s, early 80s. So um, what else do you see? I- I'm curious, are there actual literal connections to Yacht Rock, meaning not just simply it kind of sounds like Yacht Rock or it's influenced by Yacht Rock. Is there actual crossover between the two? Were some of the session cats in L.A. working on these projects? They There were certain albums. The bigger city pop artist, um, Yamashita Tatsuro, which is uh, the biggest name in city pop. And all I have to do is think of you To make the music start to He had worked in L.A., New York, and a, a couple of American cities. Uh, so he had some uh, kind of engineers, sonic, uh, audio engineers, working with him on certain albums. And ironically, uh, some of those albums were the least well-received in Japan. <laughs> uh, don't, ask me, don't ask me why, but that's just, uh, that's just the way it is. Um, so those albums that were worked on in L.A., and some of them were half done in L.A., half in uh, Japan, some of those weren't as well received as just the ones that were made purely in Japan. But there was some crossover. There definitely was. Well, I remember we we got introduced to it by a guest um, from, uh, I think it was uh, John O'Grady from Milwaukee Yacht Rock, that he introduced us to, uh, I'm going to screw up this name, but it was Plastic Love by Maria, Mariah Takeuchi or something like that. So that was our first introduction into it. And as I've read more and more about it, I realized how um, how big that song got. And uh, just what can you tell us about that? Because I, I, I know I've seen pictures, studio pictures of her working with 
like Jay Graydon, David Foster, some of those cats were in there. Do you have any knowledge of uh, her career and that? Well, I, I know that uh, she she did work in the States for uh, a couple songs, and um, uh, there was a big controversy with some L.A. Uh, photographer um, regarding Plastic Love and some of the images that were used on some of the albums. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who was working on Plastic Love, uh, but I know Tatsuya Yamashita produced it, which is her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm not too clear on uh, if that there was any work done uh, from American producers on that one. I think it might have been purely just a Japanese production crew. But, okay. um, that's definitely the, the, one of the most popular songs, I would say. And, and just a quick shout-out to John O'Grady. I met him a couple years ago yeah. uh, in, in Milwaukee, and he's a fantastic guy. Yeah, yes. I love that. Hot Shots, I believe. Hot <laughs> Shots, yes. yes. He's a regular on the show, yeah. Let me ask a follow-up on that. Are we – you'll forgive me. The, the people who listen to this podcast know that my mispronunciations are kind of a, <laughs> a, a feature um, as well as a bug. <laughs> are we talking about Maria Takeuchi, Correct. Yes, 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 we are. So we had on the podcast, we were lucky enough to have Jay Graydon as a guest months ago, and mm. and his um, past to present CD, he pulled together some of his old tapes and finished them, yeah, one of which right. was a tune by this same artist called Secret Love. And he, you got to listen to the personnel on this record. Eventually he had Mark Jordan. I don't know if you know who Mark Jordan is, but he sang the, the, like a reference vocal. The demo vocal, right. So they could send it over to, to Murray, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, so what we've got is the music is written by David Foster and Jay Graydon. The lyrics were written by Mark Jordan, according to this. The bass is David Hungate, John from Toto. Uh, the yeah, drums no. are Jeff Beccaro. <laughs> Oh, wow. Steve Lukather on guitar and acoustic guitar um, and Bill Champlin on backing vocals. Does it get any yachtier than that? She knew what she was getting into. Uh, that is Miss M, I believe. It's a record called Miss M. That sounds um, right. Yeah, from 1980. Uh, I have that on vinyl. It's 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 a it's a killer. It's it's, it's great stuff. There's English tracks and Japanese, which would explain you know why she had some of these classic yacht uh, people working on some of the stuff with her. Would, yeah. Would you say she? Uh, it, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth because I know even less about this than John does, which is not much. Um, <laughs> Would you say she is kind of the godmother of city pop? And a follow-up to that is, in Yacht Rock, obviously, we think of the godfathers being Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, Christopher Cross. Mm -hmm. What are the comparables in city pop, if there are any? Oh, I mean, Maria Takeuchi, you just said it. She's definitely, I would consider, the queen of city pop. Um, And that ties into her being married to Tatsuro Yamashita, which is probably the biggest name in city pop. So the fact that they're kind of married makes them this power couple in city pop that is uh, immediately recognizable to anyone who's familiar with the genre, um, which tends to be uh, really younger people nowadays. Uh, funnily enough, like Gen Z, millennials, are we're more into, I would say, city pop than yacht rock, which is uh, mm. interesting. Well, what is – real quick on that because I have a son who's – 
18. So I see Gen Z, whatever he is, he's a punk, stop kid. <laughs> and he lives in this house rent free. But, anyways, aside from that, he got me into two subgenres that I now discover are offshoots of city pop, which are vapor wave and future funk. So now mm. this is like what we would call modern yacht. But what are those two? And are you familiar with those? And are you big fans yeah. of them? Oh, you know, these these genres popped up about 10 years ago, and uh, I was I was really big into Vaporwave. Uh, it was kind of, um, I would say, some kind of cyberpunk, uh, experimental, plunderphonics kind of hybrid internet genre. Um, so it was really out there. It was really on the fringe of internet music uh, at the time. And uh, a lot of these producers were taking Japanese records, city pop, uh, and sampling them and turning them into these weird experimental, really slowed down, heavy on reverb kind of tracks that were just uh, really, really out there. And they were sampling a lot of these city pop songs. And this is how a lot of these uh, Japanese artists started to enter the internet kind of music sphere. Because I myself started looking for these samples that people were using. And then I would find the original tracks. And I'm like, well, the original track is way better than this sampled, slowed down thing that's on the internet. Usually it is. Well, speaking of uh, internet, and obviously that brings me to social media, what can you tell me about, I discovered, I was doing a little reading, um, Mickey Matsubara, um, I was reading about a song at the end of 2020 became this big hit because it blew up sort of on TikTok, which is apparently how all music, according to Rick Beato, that's how all new music is discovered now. Uh, Stay with me, there's another part to the title, but uh, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Stay with me. Oh, yeah. I think uh, uh, Mickey Matsubara is probably one of the most beloved of uh, all the uh, city pop stars because she she passed away tragically Mm -hmm. at the age of 44 in 2004 from from cancer. Um, And so she wasn't ever able to realize the popularity of the song that you just mentioned that uh, kind of blew up on TikTok. And, um, you know, 40 or so years after its debut, it's found this critical success. And, you know, it was on the the top of the Spotify global charts for like two, three weeks. Yeah, it's got well over seven million spins. Um, So it's kind of tragic that she was never able to... uh, Acknowledge that she was uh, popular. She ever became popular in the West because uh, she kind of regretted her career towards the end of her life. Uh, and that was kind of some something documented by people who were close to her at the time. So I think anyone who's familiar with that song, uh, it kind of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit because uh, it has this kind of tragic story behind it. Uh, but wow. I'm very familiar with it. And, uh, it's um, it's a beautiful record. Uh, I have two uh Two copies of that vinyl because I love it so much. I'll take one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Van, 
going back to what we said about, you know, I just listed off this amazing personnel on that one song or record maybe even, but was it more so the case that they were using Japanese session musicians and they were sort of, I don't know if they were specifically emulating, maybe they were the LA cats. I mean, that was probably more the norm, right? Are there specific names that were getting all the session calls to Japan as well? Oh yeah, I would say um, there were certain people that uh, in, in, inside the Japanese industry at the time there was a lot of collaboration. Uh, it seemed like uh, on every major release, you see the same names. Um, Jake A. Conception, uh, Conception. I'm not sure if I said that right, but uh, he's a Japanese saxophone uh, artist, and he's just one of the most amazing saxophonists there are. He's on every single major uh, Japanese city pop release. You look through the credits. You're going to see his name. Hmm. Uh, he's probably one of the biggest ones for sure. I always see his name. Shigeru Suzuki, also a brilliant, brilliant uh, guitarist. Uh, who's they, These people don't get enough recognition because, of course, they're behind the scenes and um, they're only kind of contributing artists. But um, you, you'll see a lot of names pop up here and there that are just, you know, they're just masters of their craft that, uh, that were working on uh, any and every Japanese release at the time. They were definitely being reused left and right. I imagine that these uh, the records, the vinyl records that you buy, are loaded with credits. They probably credit every single thing, right? They're very detailed, oh, yeah. from what I understand. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, maybe we could get into listening to some tracks. Um, you know, at least some cuts from some tracks. Could you? All right, pretend that I just sat down at a bar next to you and I said, "What is city pop?" And you said, "Well, here are the three songs you got to listen to." Like the big ones. This is what a fool believes version, right? Of yeah. Oh, so give wow. us a couple tunes that you think are the mainstays, and then we'll, maybe we'll ask you for some buried treasures in our vernacular. So what, yeah. what, give me a biggie. It's Plastic Love, one of them. Ooh, Plastic Love is is definitely one of them. I think it's become uh, kind of the most generic out of all of them, only because it's been uh, so popularized since 2008 when it became the song. Yeah. Uh, but that yes. Yeah, Definitely that one. Stay With Me by Mickey Matsubara, Plastic Love by Maria Takeuchi, and Sparkle by Tatsuro Yamashita. Those are the uh, quintessential three that kind of define the genre. Uh, whenever you ask someone who's uh, kind of even remotely interested in uh, in the music, what about? Can I ask you about another song that's going to come up in our? Well, I shouldn't tell you. It's fortunate, <laughs> but um, what about the song "Silly Crush" by Masaki Matsubara? Oh, now that's a deep cut. You know that that won't be on many lists uh, because it's it's not as I would say um, cosmopolitan pop ish like the other ones are. I would say it's more uh, Japanese centric uh, in its kind of production and style. Now, what is? Do you know much about? I have the English lyric version. Um, were there two versions? Was there a Japanese lyrics and a in a English vocal for that? Uh, there, there is, there is. Um, however, getting that is um, 
it's a process. You, I, <laughs> I went to Japan in 2019 looking for a lot of these like really deep cuts, and you know, it's it, they eluded me, uh, and a lot of Japanese people weren't in a rush to tell me where to find a lot of these things. <laughs> well, would you say that it's fair that? Um, well, I guess we talked about how maybe the sound of city pop was influenced by the Western sound. And we, we've been talking about it in the context of yacht rock. Some of the earliest city pop that I have found so far in my very short endeavor into it has still a lot of uh, remnants of disco. Would you say some of the early stuff was still disco influenced considering you're DJing probably in a dance sort of environment? Would you say that? Oh, oh yeah. There's a, there's a definite disco element to it. And you know, uh, disco music, Western disco music, was actually really popular in Japan around the same time that it was popular here. And, you know, older Japanese people that I speak to, which I uh, have a, a following of really older Japanese people, because, of course, I'm playing music from their childhood, uh, you know, they talk to me on Instagram and Twitter, and they send me messages, and they say, you know, uh, disco music was so popular in the West, but Japanese disco wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of these uh, songs that we hear, city pop, that has these disco elements, weren't actually popular in Japan at the time, which kind of uh, shows you that uh, yeah. they, uh, they were more interested in what was going on internationally than domestically. How did you discover it in the first place? I mean, how long ago did you discover City Pop and what was that moment? Uh, you know, I discovered it, uh, you know, it's funny, left through Vaporwave um, okay. because um, Maria Takeuchi's Plastic Love was one of the most sampled songs in that genre. Um, and so, you know, once you start putting these search terms into Google, the mm. algorithm starts putting together all this information. And I don't know who, who's behind that algorithm, but, you know, they just start <laughs> pumping out recommendations. And before you know it, you're getting Japanese funk boogie uh, and uh, pop from the 80s and 70s all over your YouTube feed. And you can't help but, you know, just click on these images. And then before you know it, you have... Uh, Brand new obsession with uh, Japanese city pop. It's, it's, it's crazy how it happens, but that's just how it happens nowadays. Wow. Yeah, and I kind of went through a similar algorithmic wormhole um, months ago <laughs> because I was turned on to that silly crush tune. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you let Spotify do its thing and they start, you know, all the related tunes. And I went down this <laughs> and I didn't even want to get out. It was fantastic. Uh, one, thing, <laughs> one thing I'm fascinated by always is, as John knows, is the sort of cultural context through which music is mm. either amplified or, or a reflection of. And so if you look at the Yacht Rock era being 76 to 84, you had the sort of economic downturn followed by what we know as the yuppie era, right? Economic boom. And everything I read about city pop is they tie it to the sort of tech boom of Japan in the early 80s. And so what what relevance do you think that has with for whatever reason, you know, something similar was happening in the States during a similar time, similar economic turnaround. What is the influence there? What's the connection in your mind? I mean, uh, City Pop for me, it, it, it's, it's definitely um, leisure class music. I think so, a certain amount of uh, sophistication is involved with it. Um, and at the time, uh, thanks to that economic boom that Japan was experiencing in the 80s, uh, a lot of people had money in metropolitan areas, especially Tokyo, you know, Osaka, a lot of these cities, people had money to spend and they had access to vinyl. They had access to records, whereas, you know, people who didn't have uh, good jobs or any of that, they didn't have access to C-pop. 
So this is kind of like a, a class-specific uh, music, uh, I would say. Um, people who had the money to afford it could have it. And um, this is definitely tied to that e- economic miracle that was going on when the, uh, I believe it was with the Plaza Accord in 1985 when the uh, dollar was depreciated compared to the yen. And the yen just exploded in value. And uh, that led Japanese banks to uh, overextend credit uh, and there was a, a lot of uh, financial errors that were going on in Japan at the time. And then when the yen crashed and going into the 90s, this music kind of died with that kind of optimism that yeah. the uh, Japanese people had when the, when the yen was up. And then when the yen was down, you know, it was like, well, you know, a lot of people lost their wealth. Uh, there was a lot of uh, economic turndown. They called the 90s the lost decade because of this right. one issue. So obviously City Pop, it had this kind of uh, fall from grace uh, because it wasn't a signifier for their, you know, bright future anymore. It was kind of a reminder of their, you know, naivety. And the other uh, thing to keep in mind is also that it it was very much at the forefront of technology, which, of course, Japan at that time, you know, prior to us having Apple and Google and stuff here in our Silicon Valley, you know, they had Sony and Samsung and Yamaha, and they were creating all these new synths and all the new drum machines and the Walkman and all these things that we were, you know, the turntables, the stereos, everything had a Japanese nameplate on it. And so they were probably getting this stuff in their hands first and getting the first run at this stuff. So they were looking at this, as a new technology boom musically, you know, maybe only a year before it got here, but still. Oh, yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I was born in 85, but when I look back at uh, film uh, movies, I I see references to Japanese technology, uh, even just in passing and like in uh, backgrounds and images where you can just see, uh, you know, brand names from Japan. So I I, I can kind of feel what was going on. Yep. What about, you said you grew up in Miami. <clears throat> was there any influence growing up in Miami? Is City Pop bigger down there? Um, is there any relevance to how you fell into City Pop because of living in that area? And then I want to fast forward to today because you have an event coming up in Miami that we want to talk about. I mean, yeah, uh, living in Miami, you know, you have to have some sort of affinity for beaches and uh, summertime because mm-hmm. it's a never-ending summer down there. You know, it's it's just... That's kind of where the name for the event uh, that we're going to discuss came from. But um, I've always loved being on boats. I've always loved the, the breeze. I've always loved summertime and, and beaches. And City Pop, if you uh, start to go through a list of the most popular records, the top 100, you're going to see a rec- recurring theme of summertime. Summertime is mm-hmm. one of the most popular themes in City Pop. Uh, and so a lot of this music has tries to embody it in every way it can, through the lyrics, through the instrumentation, production, uh, the synthesizers, they really try to give you the feeling of summer in audio format. Uh, and this is something that really, it, it calls out to me, you know, it just makes me feel comfortable, even without knowing the lyrics. And so July 8th, you have an event in partnership with Yacht Rock Miami that you're DJing. I don't know if it's a city pop set, but tell us what's coming up on July 8th for our listeners, I should say, that are listening in real time and not three weeks from now and it's over. Yeah, you know, it's going to be uh, DJ Juan Love, who's amazing. He's going to be doing a Yacht Rock set, uh, and I'm going to be doing City Pop back-to-back. So every hour, we're going to switch over 
So you're going to get a, a good mixture of uh, city pop and yacht rock and how these two genres can mix and, you know, their, their, their aesthetic qualities and how uh, there are so many similarities in it, even without even knowing Japanese, uh, you're going to get a good feel for the two genres and how well they can mix together. Well, I have, uh, I have two quick questions, almost as a lightning round, as we say. <laughs> the first question is, you mentioned similarities to yacht rock. Um, I'm just wondering, do people go online and argue about whether something is or is not city pop and get real mad online about it? Uh, you know, it's 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 not as brutal as that. Uh, there's, I, I've heard I've heard some some stories about Reddit encounters that uh, I don't even want to brush up on because I don't go on Reddit. Uh, it's not my it's not my place to go there. Oh um, but yeah, it's city pop is more uh, loosely defined. Um, oh boy, people that almost makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Asking for trouble. <laughs> it is. Uh, thankfully, it's not as uh, it's not as big as yacht rock yet. You know, so people are still kind of defining its boundaries. Uh, the only thing that kind of ties it together is a, a specific feeling. Like you have to feel that it's city pop, which is it's, it's mind boggling that that's how we can define a genre in 2022. Yeah. But this is that's this is where we're at. You know. Okay. Final question for me, John. I don't know if you have anything, but off the top of your head. Give me a song that, if you, other than the ones you mentioned, I just absolutely got to go listen to the song because it's such a good, uh, sorry, city pop song. Go. What is it? So Shiki Karomatsu, it is called uh, Space Scraper. Space Scraper. Oh, cool. I got to write that down. Yeah. Well, I'm going to type it. There's some slap bass on it that is just amazing. Um, it, it, it's just uh, one, of, one of my top favorite songs in the genre, for sure. All awesome. right. Cool. John, anything else for this final lightning round? I'm going to play a little space scraper right now. Let's hit it. Spoken, uh, coming from a uh, reformed ex bass player, I, uh, yeah. I will always vote for <laughs> slap bass. So, yeah, yeah. all right, cool. Well, yeah. awesome. Well, good luck at the show. That sounds like a really interesting Thank event. You guys I wish so we much. could be there. Thank you for the education on city pop. And yeah, uh, it was a pleasure. Yep. And uh, get into the conversation on Facebook, fan. And uh, when people start saying. <laughs> city pop or snot at city pop. Yeah, what's the neat <laughs> version of city pop? Oh, God. City plop? I don't know. <laughs> city plop. <laughs> city plop. All right. Well, thank you very much, man. And if anyone yeah. wants to know more about city pop, where should they go and where can they find you, Van? Uh, you can check me out at vanpogam.com or um, you can just go on Twitter and look up city pop and you'll probably find all of my annoying tweets on the to- on the topics. So yeah, sounds good. All right, good All luck right. to you, and thank you again for being thank on the show. Guys. Take Thanks, care, guys. Man. Thank you very much. Take care. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, Domo Arigato, Mr. Pogam. Mr. Robot. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, yeah, man, that was quite the education. 
Uh, I, For you. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I found it really interesting. I, I, I felt like I'd, going in, I didn't know what to ask or what to contribute, but, uh, you know, he, he was so good. It was just, it was easy to engage. It was really interesting. How did you like your two-day uh, foray into City Pop? Uh, I'm going to reveal in the lightning round. I found some things that I really like. I'm still having difficulties with the language and all that stuff, but there is no question that the performances, the style, the recording style, the parts, the arrangements, all the bits of Yacht Rock are there. It's just with a different language. Really is what it comes down to. We need to get you some Rosetta Stone, and then uh, <laughs> and you'll be digging on it. <laughs> All right. Well, like, without further ado, I guess we uh, head on into a uh, City Pop inspired lightning round. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, do you want to go first? Yeah, I might as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we sort of uh, mentioned this artist, mostly because I didn't find a whole lot of artists. I didn't have a, you know, didn't really get an opportunity to dive really deep. But uh, the aforementioned Mickey Matsubara which is the one that had the song that uh, took off on TikTok a couple years yeah. ago. Anyway, so I went back and digging into some of her stuff, and I found a nice uh, cover that she did of James Taylor's You've Got a Friend from 1984. Tell me what you think about this. You just come at my name. Well, I think that's a perfect example of what we were describing in terms of the sonic quality, the production quality. It's so crisp and clean, no caffeine. It's all there in the sax. I wonder if that's the sax guy that he was telling us about that uh, was kind of the <laughs> Japanese version of Ernie Watts or David Sanborn. But that's got all of the yacht goods in it. It might be a little ballady at the front end for real technical, is it on the boat? But, you know, in the in the larger scheme of things, that's totally there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, now we got to learn all this Japanese personnel, too. I mean, geez, I was just getting a handle on the L.A. guys. All right. Well, very good. I am going back to a previously drilled well, uh, because going back to this, is it Yacht Rock? Again, I know it's not Yacht Rock, but it's so darn close in spots. I'm going to go back to that tune I mentioned with Tavan, which is Masaki Matsubara's Silly Crush. And tell me you don't hear Yacht Rock in this tune. Because I just don't have the nerve to meet you face to face. Since I'll never find the words, I'll find a hiding place. I would dial your number and hang off the phone. I love you way too much to see that it's just a silly crush. All right, so did I say that wasn't Yachty or something before? You said that... Uh, no, no, no. Just I, um, I, I feel like I'm dragging people over the finish line to see like how Yachty said. You cannot float my boat any more fluently or fluidly than that tune right there. I know. You're almost uh, hydroplaning at this point. <laughs> that is pure uncut yacht. Yeah. Just Japanese. Yeah, agreed. And uh, so same anyways. last name as Mickey. Mick, that's another Matsubara. I don't know if they're related at all. Masaki it's like Smith Mickey. over there. <laughs> Maybe. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you want me to edit well, that out? Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Barry Treasure, you got to have one, right? 
So I don't know if you recall this, but um, it was a buried treasure from a long time ago when I was going down that aforementioned uh, City Pop wormhole. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm just i hearing this tune. It's a City Pop tune. And then I recognize the song and I start singing along. And I'm going, Hearts of Fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Hearts of Fire by uh, Hearts of Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> I couldn't find it. Yeah. But that song is called That's the Way of the World. And I said yeah. that's a buried treasure. So now I'm going to do it in reverse okay. and say the buried treasure for City Pop is the Masayoshi Takanaka version of Earth, Wind, and Fire's That's the Way of the World. Tell you that's got all of the groove, all the feel of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Just uh, no vocal. So he's the guitar player. I'm taking it on that. I would. Imagine. I, I yeah. think so. Yeah. And uh, that gets you past the language barrier too, because there's no language on that You're song. You're right. Yacht jazz through and through. Super yachty. Yeah. Super yeah. yachty jazzy. Yep. All right. all right. What do you got for a buried treasure? I have a buried treasure by. Uh, I was looking uh, to see about uh, male artists. We've we've covered a lot of the female city pop artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a guy, I'm going to try and get this name right, uh, Makoto Matsushita. And he has a couple very highly spun songs on, on Spotify. And I found this one from 1981. He seriously, he's singing in English, a lot of Bobby Caldwell sort of crooner to his voice. Does uh, he have the Kermit thing going through? No, 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 not, not, no, oh. no, no, not, not Boss Gags, but not, oh. I, I know Caldwell does that too, but no, you'll see what I mean. Uh, great bass work on this. You'll like this very aggressive tone. And, and even the artwork some has that look of some of those Bobby Caldwell records. But uh, let me play this one. This is a song from his uh, 1981 album called First Light. And the song is called Love Was Really Gone. thoughts there mr baseman all the goods all the goods yeah oh my god that's so smooth the bass tones that they were getting in japan at that time were just killer i know it's almost like they allow the bass to speak even more than uh what we would call our yacht rock i think so yeah absolutely so good mm mm all right well it's got to it's got to be bad for you it's yeah it's got to be it's got to be <laughs> So what do you got for off the map then, well, sir? I'm going back to uh, Mickey. Callie? Yeah, uh, Mickey Matsubara. I'm going back to her because uh, uh, I kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking to Van. Uh, this is off the map only because this sounds like it's very disco influence, which I know there's Yacht Disco and all of that malarkey. But uh, this is an early song from her. This is 1980, so it still has some remnants of that disco era from here. Um, the song is called Iwa Energy. I, re- I found out that Iwa 
translates into love. So love energy from an album called Pocket Park, 1980, and it sounds like this. You can Yeah, a little wire choir there to end the chorus. And uh, I like how they uh, freely interchange, speaking of language barrier, but they freely interchange between Japanese and English. It's kind of interesting. Man, that is, again, just absolutely delicious to listen to. I know, it's all there. That is yacht disco because I felt like the verses were yacht rock and the choruses were disco. So there you go. Digging it. It's all city pop. Mm, mm, mm. All right, well. I guess I'll take us into the home stretch here. Please. Back into Safe Harbor, as you will. Uh, story time with Tom. So real <laughs> quick. So do you remember one of my very first off the maps was a song by a, a Brit pop group from the 80s called Aztec Camera. Oh, remember that? Yes, I do. I just felt like sonically it fit. Um and you know how I'm always fascinated with these like threads between yacht rock and whatever was happening in Europe, specifically the UK, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. relative to like Sophistapop. Right. Like I see all these elements. Okay. So with that as the backdrop, um, over the weekend we had Father's Day, and my super yachty wife got me a vinyl of an Aztec camera record from 1987. The best album called Love. Right. Love. Which you're familiar I know it with very well. And I'm holding in my hot little hands. Oh yeah. The liner notes. You know it's real because you can hear the paper. Yep. And I start perusing the liner notes, and I start seeing names that I recognize, such as... Wait, let me hear the paper again. There it is. Okay, good. Steve Jordan. Oh. Okay, I'm like, oh, interesting. Will Lee. A couple of New York uh, session guys. Yeah, so if you don't know who Will Lee is, he's probably, you would recognize him as the bass player for the house band on The Letterman Show. Same with Steve Jordan. Spent yeah, years same as the with Steve Jordan. Yep. Very pro- before Anton Vig or whatever. Anyways. Uh, they, they sort of interchanged, yeah. yeah. But very prolific session cats. Okay, so th- those are some. Marcus Miller then, I see. Well, that ah. was starting to get a little bit yachtier. Yeah, still New uh, Yorker though. Yep. Um, produced by Russ Teitelman. Yeah, the mentor to Ted Templeman. Yeah, right? him and the, Lenny Warrenker. Yeah, this is 1987, mind you, and this is all yeah. the way across the pond, getting yachtier yet. Uh, and then I see a drummer. Have you heard of this guy, Steve Gad? No, please tell me. Give He's, me his history in a nutshell. He, he was a yacht rock session cat. That's it. Um, um, okay. Yep, that was That's it. Good. You should, after you're done learning about city pop, go learn about yacht rock. A okay. Little. <laughs> um, and then I see some keyboards here played by the likes of. Peter Beckett. What the what? Now, that's got to be Peter Beckett, the voice of player, correct? I would. I have no idea. First of all, I've never pictured him on keyboards, though I'm sure he does play them to a certain You know degree. what, though? This was around the time that, remember when we interviewed him, he was talking about he was a prolific songwriter and was sending songs out. Yeah. I wonder if he sent a demo to Roddy Frame, a fellow Brit. And they kept Ooh. maybe the keyboard track or something. I have no idea. We got to get him back on the show. Um, but here's the last Ooh. one. It's not exactly Yachty, but out of nowhere, Dan Hartman is singing backup <laughs> vocals all Whoa, over this thing. Dan Hartman. 
I can wow. dream about you, Dan I can dream Hartman. about him, yes. Holy smoke. So, uh, well, so then I start getting deeper and deeper into the Aztec camera record because I had given up on them after 1991's Stray album. Yeah, but, but that record might be one of the top 10 records of all of the 1980s. You're holding love? in your, yes. Yeah, oh, it's so good. There's no I, question. You, here's the thing, I like Stray even more, but. That what notwithstanding, so I look and I discover there's just albums in the '90s. So I go to this Dreamland album from 1983. Ah, a couple you know good things on that. I, I had that one. Okay, and then I come across not nearly the interesting personnel. However, the a couple songs are produced by a Mr. Ryuichi Sakamoto. What? Yes, he oh is more gosh. of a Japanese synth pop guy, but is tagged as city pop in various places. I couldn't believe it when I'm like, wait a minute, this is just way too crazy. Coincidence. Oh, so, are we going to play one of these songs? Let's go back to the Love album and just, okay. uh, I don't know how yachty it is, but because it features both um, Steve Gadd and Marcus Miller, let's play Paradise off uh, Love 1987. All right, go and do it. You know, that's one of those albums that I don't listen to enough only because I don't want to listen to it so often that I get tired of it <laughs> because it is so perfect. When, it, when I put it on, it is the essence of all of musicdom in my mind. I yeah. love that record, man. It's so good. And a name I forgot to mention, by the way, was Rob Mouncey, who produces and plays keyboards. And, and Rob Mouncey is prolific as well. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Unbelievable. So Not Yachty at all, but the connections are just so fun to... Isn't Mine it crazy? Out. Yeah. And then to have the connection to City Pop further down the line is just, wow, <laughs> well, crazy. All right. Well, that was quite the education. I will tell people that to this week's episode, I am not going to do one of these surprise endings where I catch you off guard and it's like, well, wait a minute. All of a sudden the episode's done. So I just want to tell everyone, fitting of the topic, I want to tell everyone, here it is. The ending's coming. Yep. Kenichi Wahoy Paloi. Paloi. <laughs> 